Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. My name is Gianni and on Sifter, uh, we take time to consider some of those big titles, those games that have been consuming all our time, uh, where the team uh, behind sifter.com.au, we talk about our experiences and the things that games make us feel. And they can be those big AAA titles, which there's been a lot of them this month, um, or smaller titles, um, some of the things that have been re-released or games uh, that have snuck under the radar but we've only just recently picked up it's all covered here my guest this week is john rogers who's host of gaming in the wild a beautifully crafted personal essay podcast that takes time to consider the design uh, and experience of playing games and if you've ever listened to sister you know that's something that we like as well john thank you so much for joining us on mainstream well thank you for having me and thanks for that really kind description of the show i have to say um there's a lot of kind of extremely up energy games media out there and i love something that's more considered and conversational and that's why i listen to sifter it's really it's got it's got a really nice chill energy that i I really relate to so thanks for having me on we're really excited to hear your thoughts uh, about a game uh, that you and i have both been playing pretty consumed by i think is the fair way to describe it Uh, we're talking of course about gorillas horizon forbidden west the sequel uh, to Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, which came out uh, just a short while ago. So, without any uh, further ado, let's jump right in. This is Mainstream. So, John, if people have never come across the Horizon series before, they didn't play the original one, uh, and now maybe thinking they've picked up a shiny PlayStation 5, one of the few lucky few who've managed to be able to do so, uh, and are picking up this game. What is Horizon Forbidden West, and and how does it play? Well, it's a third-person action adventure. Um, It's it's one of those proper shiny full fat AAA Sony games so it has all of the trappings of that it looks beautiful it's slick to play it's got Hollywood production values Um, there is combat there is exploration there are quests it's narrative driven Um, and I think that what stands horizon out both the original and this one is the story it's a hard sci-fi story um, like a high concept hard sci-fi story in, in a way that most AAA games don't really go there if you know what i mean so i think that that's what drew me to this one as well as the beautiful visuals and the lush production values it was really the 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 fascinating um and well-conceived story that these games possess 
what I think is really interesting about it is it is a, a, a game that um, contrasts that high yeah, high, high sci-fi, hard sci-fi uh, with a really human world. Uh, and you can see the, the elements of human society that have uh, developed after a massive cataclysm, which you discover in the first game. Um, the world ended and you wake up and discover that the world is populated with machines. There's a tribal culture system that's been uh, built up in, over years and years. There are familiar elements that you might recognize, and part of the mystery is working out what has happened. Why can you see the ruins of what people you know, in the game called the old ones? Um, and uh, you know, what, what as you go through, you sort of discover this is a much bigger uh, plot at hand. Um, you know, this game, this uh, episode is going to be relatively spoiler-free, but you know. The, the efforts of people who came in the past um, have, have effectively meant that uh, humanity can survive after a, a gigantic cataclysm. Um, and it is a, a world that is uh, really deep and there's a lot in there for you to discover. And, and, and interesting for me, it was a game that I, I have very few games where I've actually reached a, you know, get a platinum uh, trophy in, in PlayStation. Um, and it's one of the few games I actually managed to do that. I really wanted to dig into it. And for Horizon Forbidden West... Um, is of course a, a sequel to the to that uh, 2016 title, um, and builds on that story as well. Aloy is the main character. Uh, she is your guide through the world. She's a, a hunter, uh, hunting machines, taking down these things, but also someone who's really familiar with the old world technology that exists in, in this world. Um, and she goes and has to now, uh, having saved the world once, now has to save the world again. Uh, finding uh, pieces of the puzzle which would able to solve uh, a, a crisis, uh, a plague that is uh, facing the world, um, which is due to uh, you know collapse, an ecological collapse uh, as part of it. So, um, John, can you tell me when you're playing the the game, um, uh, some of the things that you spent your time doing in this open world? Because there is that storyline that can kind of pull you through, um, but it is a broader experience there's really a lot of freedom you can kind of decide which direction you'd like to head in yeah um there was something that surprised me about this actually it, it is a direct sequel so it's one of those ones where it continues pretty much where the last game ends um a little like psychonauts 2 you know which is a couple days after the last game in this one it's a couple months but it, it's like a proper sequel so i would first of all say that if if people are thinking of playing Forbidden West, I would do Horizon Zero Dawn first. It's really worth doing for all of the plot reveals that you'll get. Um, diving into this one would be a little confusing, and I think you would miss half the experience. Um, and I think that's because the story is so deep, and um, it's not just the main story. I think that Horizon is clever because it has three stories happening all at once. It has Aloy's journey as a human. It has the, the past, the big hard sci-fi mystery of the past, and then it has the tribal present. Um, and the tribal present was one of the, the lesser the lesser of the three in the first game. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, and in this game, um, to, much to my surprise, it's become um, the real meat of the game is the tribes, the new tribes that you will meet. There are some familiar ones like the Osaram, these mechanics. And then there are some new ones like the Utaru, who are peaceful farmers, the Tanakh, who are warriors, and, and others. And... To my surprise, um, the tribes are so fully fleshed out and so rich and wonderful and well-conceived. They have their own, their own slang and sayings. They have their own problems in different biomes um, that the game inhabits. Um, and I really found myself fascinated 
looking into these tribes and the way that you find out about them is through doing side quests like if the farming community has got some problems then you'll do a lot of different side quests and as you do them you learn more about the utaru's worldview um, and the specific problems that they have in their part of the world and you'll do the same with the osaram they have a uh, as mechanics and builders, they have labor issues and things like that. Things that we recognize from our world today are kind of recurring far in the future. Um, and so I spent a lot of time running around doing side quests for the lore and for the additional story and context. Um, and the main story, which I, was the real hook for me in game number one, has kind of gone to the back of my mind a little, even though there are some real nice plot reveals and it does go places, they do keep up the momentum with that story. I've really found myself just exploring each new biome as I find it and re having a really leisurely playthrough and feeling like I'm learning a lot and getting a lot out of the game. Um, I think what really, if people are looking at this game as, uh, you know, as an example of what it does so excellently is the characterization and the acting in this game is above pretty much anything else that I have seen recently. I wonder if you agree, uh, John, um, it is phenomenal to look at. I mean, the people look as real as I has ever seen them in a game. They they have these these tiny, um, you know, tiny details. But you just look at their face, and I, as you said, I spent a lot of time doing the photo mode and in in the cutscenes, which is a more fixed version. But the way that they frame those conversations up and the little um, micro uh, movements that they make are so realistic. The acting, the voice acting, is phenomenal. And I, I, I found myself really captured. There was one particular segment I, I just spent ages capturing the dialogue of because you come across um, a, a a group of three delvers. They're sort of salvages. Um, they are from the Osaram tribe um, in the ruins of Las Vegas. And you they, you find out that they're actually a, a theatre trooper, you know, performers, and they have this such such a, a brilliant style. There's the you know the orator who's there speaking in prose, who's just you know writing little lines, talking to Aloy. She kind of rolls her eyes and is sort of slightly charmed, but you know, finding it quite a funny experience. Uh, there's the the tech who is you know obsessed with. Uh, you know, a piece of old web technology, which is effectively showing ads for, you know, the buffet dinners that you could get at uh, in Las Vegas, but, you know, um, interested. And they just have uh, such a, a interesting dynamic. And of course, there's the there's the money man as well, who's there, uh, who puts the whole show together. And the three of them have just such a fun dynamic. We're not really delvers at all. We're, we're showmen. Like performers? You're Nora and thus unfamiliar with the arts. We stage spectacles all around the claim. Stemmer tells stories, which I augment with all manner of sounds and fireworks, and Abadund, he, well... Complains? He handles the money, which amounts to about the same thing. When we delve, it's to find gear for my theatrics. Which makes this delve the most important one of all. And, uh, you know, it's to the, some of the funniest and most interesting lines. I spent many times actually just going back through the options in the dialogue choices there just to hear different, uh, different combinations and to hear the lines again because it was so fascinating. I'm wondering, is there, is there a character moment that really stood out to you as well? I mean, that one is, is spectacularly good. Um, 
something that's really nice about this game, I think, is that um, it, it litters moments of levity. It scatters moments of levity through the game. It is a post-apocalyptic world that you're running through, and so it has that uncanny, rewilding, um, uncomfortable sort of melancholy to it, you know, overgrown, collapsed cities and stuff. But the character moments like the one that you're describing add, like you said, warmth and humanity to the game. And that's just a joy, that whole section of the game. Um, if you've played Breath of the Wild, um, I think for me, that would be like the tarry town of this game, if you know what I mean. It's the part where you get the uh, characters that you love and it just it's so light and fun. Uh, for me, it was actually the Utaru, um, that farmer tribe, because they're they're very peaceful. Um, they've kind of developed their own culture where, for example, they'll carry a seed pod over their heart that's built into their their clothing. And when they die, people will uh, retrieve the pod and plant those seeds. And those seeds came from their forebears. Um, and they talk about the circle of life. They talk about mortality. And they're quite zen-like. Um, and I found their worldview really interesting. And there's a character called Zo that you meet along the way who um, kind of Aloy starts to pass down some of the, the technological knowledge that she has. Um, and so you, you get some um, some good friends along the way. And the Utaru character of Zo um, really transfixed me, especially because considering the, the facial capture that you're talking about, it's just hypnotic, isn't it? I mean, they have the, the texture of their skin, the way that their eyes move a little in conversation, the way that they you can read their body language. Um, something that I think that this game did really well, actually, was that in the original game, the, there's a lot of dialogue in this game, so you spend a lot of time clicking through text and voice acting, looking at faces. And in the original game, it was a very tight crop, you know. You would just see the face, but in this game, they've mo motion-captured people's entire bodies, and so they're able to gesticulate with their arms, they're able to use their hands, they're able to be expressive, and they're able to walk around during conversation. And combined with that super detailed, hypnotic facial capture, um, you you really transfixed by these conversations. It's like a real conversation rather than looking at a cutscene, you know. So they've really nailed it with that. They spend a lot of detail even in the side quests you do as well. Like even you know some small small minor characters that you may literally only speak to for one side quest you discover in the world. They're given the same detail as these major tentpole characters, like so that you mentioned. I, I know there was a you know there's a mission in in the Daunt, for example, one of the first areas that you go to where you're rescuing a bunch of miners, and the foreman of that mine was you know you could see the emotion in his face uh, when he's got a couple of his workers who are just trapped in an area that, that is inaccessible. Um, and you, know, and he, you speak to him for the duration of that quest and, and no further. Um, and they spend all that time. And the, the game is just filled with characters like this um, who, who make it feel like it. it's a, you know, a really living, breathing world. Um, they're all different. <laughs> they're all interesting you feel like if you continue on your quest and go off and hunt a, a big machine, they're still living their life in the background uh, in a way that, uh, you know, is a really, I, I haven't really seen in other games. And even Horizon Zero Dawn did this in a way as well. I know that some of the minor characters in that game is, again, the detail of, of how they were considered was really excellent and just taking it to, to the next level. Um, in terms of the way that the, the game plays, John, um, you know, we have seen a few... Uh, um, in terms of the, of the way the game plays, John, we have seen a few uh, improvements in the way, in the way that in, in our fit out and the equipment that Aloy has. It does the very video gamey thing of when you restart the game, of course you 
ran into trouble. So you lost all your really powerful weapons before you, <laughs> you started, which was a real frustration. Despite wearing the best armor in the game from the previous one, it now doesn't do anything. Um, yeah, they super um, Metroided it, didn't they? Yeah, really, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, tell me about some of the, the, the new gameplay elements, uh, you know, as you're sort of traversing the world, um, the tools that you have available in, in your arsenal. And you, you did mention Breath of the Wild, and I feel like there is a, you know, a very clear example of where they've taken inspiration from that. Yeah, um, this this is both an improvement and and one of the things that I was a little disappointed about in this game. Actually, um, I'm very happy that they have improved the traversal. That was probably the weakest point of Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, if the combat is incredible and they they fit you out with so many new weapons in this game, they refine it, they expand it. There are different elemental attacks. There are new weapons that are really powerful. I felt like a lot of the weapons in the old game I just kind of ignored and stuck with my trusty bow. But in this game, there is really a place and a use for every weapon in the arsenal. They've really tuned it, and it's just better than ever. I don't think there is better combat in an open-world game. Um, but in terms of the traversal, they've, they've tried to fix the problems of the old game. Um, when I went back to Horizon Zero Dawn, because I, I replayed it the week before Forbidden West came out, because I was just overexcited <laughs> and wanted to refamiliarize myself with the lore, and I noticed immediately that there is a lot of jumping into things like you think you can get on top of something you jump at it and Aloy will just hover for a second and drop back to the floor um, and so in that sense Horizon Zero Dawn feels kind of sadly dated as an open world game despite being brilliant um, in so many other respects and they've tried to fix that here um, if you jump into something now there's a good chance that Aloy will catch it and vault over it in a way that anyone that's played Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Valhalla will feel very familiar with um, it's straight out of the Cassandra playbook. Um, she will also catch ledges sometimes and be able to pull herself up. And um, there is a rope caster now, which is like a hook shot, which you can use to attach uh, to walls and to pull them down if they have a bracket on them, or to attach to clips in higher places and pull yourself up. So that's a good improvement. There is, as you were saying, there is the shield wing, which is a beautiful um, lift from Breath of the Wild, but they've done it so well, it's Rather than being Link's like trusty parachute, it is in this case a technological blue shell that will appear above Aloy when you trigger it and make a really cool buzzing sound. Um, and so now you can glide down from high places. And so they have made an effort to improve the traversal here. Um, and they've done a good job, you know. They're, you can get around more easily. You can move around this world uh, more easily than before. Um, the combat, the new weapons, I really appreciated. So it does feel like an expanded and refined look at an already classic game. And they've really upped the ante um, in those respects, I would say. But you did say there was a, some part of it that didn't quite click for you or didn't work. Yeah, it's the climbing. This is the elephant in the room, the, the robotic giant um, elephant stamping around the middle of the room in Horizon Forbidden West is the climbing. Um, I think there have been three attempts that worked for climbing in open world games. Uh, God of War, I mean, maybe it's not considered open world, but it's simple. You know, there's a handhold, you can get to it. You're playing as Kratos, he's big and heavy. It feels fine. Um, and then there is complete freedom, which is Assassin's Creed, where you can run up anything, climb up anything, no limits whatsoever, automatic parkour, total freedom, run wild. And then there is Breath of the Wild, which has the stamina system, so you really feel like you're working to climb those heights. Um, and this game tries to take a little bit from all of them. And by doing so, it makes a kind of a, a failed hybrid system. It's like they didn't pick a lane. They didn't pick a vision. 
Um, it's supposed to be point-to-point -point climbing, so there are yellow handholds that you can move between simply by pushing left or right. Aloy does all the hard work there. But then they've tried to refine it so you can pulse, you can see, and that means you pulse, you scan the environment around you, and it will reveal handholds on vertical surfaces that are otherwise invisible. Um, but they don't really work. Um, you can jump onto one, push left, push right, push up. Aloy kind of often will just shuffle around on a ledge. Um, she won't seem to reach for the one that looks like it's in view. Um, and so a lot of the time, the climbing is like a, a frustrating shuffle up a cliff. <laughs> um, and it really breaks down the flow of gameplay and the flow of traversal. Um, I never look forward to climbing in this game. I would say it's actually worse in some ways than the first game, the vertical climbing, because in the first game, at least you knew where you could climb. You know, there were yellow handholds and that's it. It was the God of War model, basically. They've tried to diversify it and grow it in this game. They didn't go all the way. Um, I think free climbing would turn this into a 10 out of 10. I think that um, it does impact the game. And and so that's my my least favorite part of this otherwise magnificent game. Um, the the thing about the, what they've done, and you mentioned the pulse there, is that because that it does have sort of set and defined paths in which you can climb, Every now and then, I wouldn't pulse every single time. I would just climb thinking, this looks like an outcrop one. And I would jump towards areas that I could not climb and fall down mountains. Um, and it was yep. very frustrating. And I've oh, also yeah. had moments where you were very near a cliff and I just accidentally fallen down and I thought oh, okay that's all right I'll just throw myself against a wall and just about all other climbing games you know you'll quickly grab a handhold you know maybe it's about 10 meters or so below and you can climb back up nope sometimes I ended up at the bottom of that cliff and had to climb all the way back up again um so you know oh, that yeah. is oh, yeah. one of the few frustrations um that I had sort of experienced the other thing as well is um I did have a few moments where the collision especially um I, I captured a video of this in the Discord, uh, Sifted Discord, but um, there was a, a cauldron, which is like a, you know, it's like a machine base that you go into. Um, and it, again, set, there's a set path you need to progress to this, this puzzle. Um, and the collision on one of the platforms that you jump to stopped working. Um, I would just glitch through that platform entirely um, and could not land on it. And I literally needed to land on it. And the only way to do it was to hard reset the game um, completely uh, close it and reopen it and relaunch it again. And uh, that made a, you know, it was one of the big things. I spent five minutes trying to, probably more, I captured at least five minutes of it, um, trying to, to get through this one section. And it was really, really game-breaking for me uh, in a way that I thought, you know, my experience, I felt like, oh, hang on, I am playing a video game, not just going through this story. Um, and that's some moments there. It, it's not 100% perfect. It, it, it does do this thing where it strangely um, fades to black as well. I don't know if you've had that when you were playing through the game. Um, um, only now, actually, in the last... Um, I'm, I'm getting towards the final act of the game now. And I'm, I am getting these moments now where it will fade to black and pop in and fade back in as if you are using a campfire, because that's what happens when you save but it's now happening in combat. So I'll, I'll hit something and then it'll flash to black as if I'd used a campfire and fade back in. It's like it's misfiring the, um, the campfire um, transition. Yeah, it's, it's quite strange when it does happen. Um, it's pretty jarring. Um, 
but and it can happen at any time as you said it can happen in the middle of a fight and all of a sudden you're like oh hang on a second the screen's gone black what's what's going wrong and you know every, years of playing games if something the screen goes black you know that that's not never a good sign it does come back pretty quickly i, I imagine it's doing something in the background to load uh, or you know load the next section of the world or something's happened and it's clearing a cache or something like that um, but it's a bit of a weird thing to happen um, and you know there isn't any like you know even in other games if there was some slight pause or something like that and it's like you know reloading or something like that you would kind of have a, with a loading animation you'd probably know that it's doing something you're like okay that's fine it's not great um, I would say that there are there is jank um, and I think that in a game of this size um, you're always going to get a little bit of jank. You know, I've seen pelicans flying into a stone cliff face and vanishing. I've had NPCs that I have um, completed the quest for uh, respawn at, um, without any knowledge of having met me before. Um, I've had various open world jank. And like you're saying, like falling through a platform, I think in a game with millions of entities and collision points and things like that, there are always going to be a few that are just a little bit off. And Maybe they get identified and patched out in the future. Maybe they don't. I think it's the acceptable sort of normal bugs in a game of this size. But then there are design choices. Um, and the climbing, I think, particularly gets to me, even though I absolutely love this game and I don't like to criticize it. I think it's a magnificent game, so I don't want to come off like I'm harping on it or anything. But the climbing's a design choice, um, and that that confuses me more. I can understand bugs, um, but I the the bad design choice really um just gets to me i kind of want to i want someone to ask them to listen to an interview about it like what were they thinking with this what was the vision for this climbing system you know um other than that i have actually just had a, a, a truly wonderful time with this game honestly um when i when i started it up and you know that opening scene where you you start in a kind of a corridor which you just get a little bit of story it's a bit of a tutorial um it's supposed to take maybe 20 minutes I think I probably spent 45 minutes in there just looking at the water rolling over the rocks, looking at the light coming through the trees, um, looking at Aloy's hair bouncing around the way it does. It's just absolutely hypnotic animation. Very cool. Um, I was so happy to be back in that world that honestly, all of the little bugs, glitches and things that I didn't like, I kind of, I'm willing to skate over them. Uh, most of them, because I think it's, it's a masterful game. Um, I think it's probably the best looking game I've ever played. Um, I'm thinking about games like Red Dead 2, things like that. Uh, Breath of the Wild, I love with that that cell shaded art style that it has. Um, but this one is just something else entirely. Um, I've I've used the the photo mode so much. It's, I've got four gigabytes of capture, <laughs> so I'm going to have to thin that down a little bit. And yeah, I, I just love the game. Honestly, the climbing is the only the real bad one for me. Um, but other than that, I really like the game. Any final thoughts on, you know, who you think this game is for, um, you know, really uh, maybe a clarifying moment in this game for you that really highlighted your experience with it? I would say that, um, I mean, I was talking to a guy on Twitter the other day about what he liked about the game, and it was diametrically opposite to what I like about it. And what I like about it is the story, the experience, going slow, um, taking it all in, learning about the world. Um, if you like deep lore, this can be a game for you. Um, the normal difficulty is kind of easy. So for anyone that's, you know, bouncing off Elden Ring or anyone that is waiting for Breath of the Wild 2, um, you can find a really nice, gentle experience in this game. The guy that I was talking to went all in on the combat. He just beelined around. He sort of 
got himself over some mountains that are not supposed to be climbable into the end zone of the game straight away and was just fighting dinosaurs quite happily, um, just picking apart machines, using his uh, his focus to scan their weak points, stripping components off of them, even at a low level, just taking on the heaviest machines in the game. Um, and so I think it, it can be a game for a lot of different people. There are many different ways to play it. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say it's somewhere between that. If you bounced off Elden Ring, if you're waiting for Breath of the Wild 2, this is the the action adventure that that might be the one for you. Um, for me, I, I really loved um, just the little pieces of story that are hidden in the world. Um, you know, there are lots of little logs and things that you discover. Um, you can see the ruins of many buildings, especially if you're familiar with the, the West Coast of the United States, um, you know, that you will start to familiarize yourself with. I wasn't super familiar with the uh, environment of the first uh, Horizon game, um, but I am more familiar with sort of California and um, even Las Vegas as well because I visited there um, to, to and sort of seeing some of those elements re- recreated in the world. It's that same sort of feeling you have of almost nostalgia for a place you haven't been to. Um, and I really loved all that. The story and the character acting in it for me um, is what makes this series, especially even just those very small storylines that you you experience. And again, there is that puzzle-solving element of the combat as well when you um, work out how to defeat this giant big bad that's coming rolling towards you, flames and and claws ripping at you, and you know you're a very very small person in a big world. Um, but being able to to put that all together is something that I really like, and I think um, you know this uh, is a great example of when you've got a huge budget of a triple a uh, company and uh, you know the publisher owns the console um you're not probably going to get much better than a game like this to show you the of a tempo this is a, a killer app in as many ways of selling playstation 5 as like i have ever seen it is and you know i think i know that elden ring has attracted a lot of the attention right now with those record-breaking scores and so forth um, and it's it's a shame a little bit for, for Forbidden West that the spotlight has kind of gone from it. It happened to Horizon Zero Dawn with Breath of the Wild. That was the the era-defining open-world game of that time. And it seems like Elden Ring might turn out to be the era-defining open-world game of this time, five years later. But I think that that does a disservice to the Horizon universe. Um, Breath of the World is maybe my favorite game. And I placed the Horizon series pretty close to it, honestly. I think that it deserves to be in that very, very top tier where people reserve for games like, you know, the God of Wars and the Red Dead 2s of this world. I think um, Horizon really has earned its place there, and I think it should be considered as such. So that's Horizon Forbidden West uh, out now uh, for the PlayStation 5. Uh, but if you don't have one of those, all accounts say that the PlayStation 4 version, uh, even on the base of PlayStation 4, you don't need a PS4 Pro, is phenomenal as well. So you can have an excellent experience with it. Uh, it's by Guerrilla Games. Uh, and published by PlayStation. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream. So this has been Mainstream. Uh, It's what video games uh, the Sifter team have been playing and uh, guests who share their experience as well. John, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Mainstream to talk about Horizon Forbidden West. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'd love to have you over on uh, Gaming on the, in the Wild podcast sometime and re- return the favour. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. Citra is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Kyle Paletto, Fiona Bartholomew, Daniel Ang and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer, and my name is Gianni Giovanni. I'm the executive producer. Uh, now, John, if people want to find your podcast, uh, uh, where is the best place for them to go to um, if they want to listen to some, again, some considered analysis and thoughts around our experiences uh, playing video games? Yeah, people can find the podcast at gaminginthewild.com. There are links there to Apple, Spotify, all of the usual places. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as Gaming in the Wild. I'm talking every day on Twitter and sharing my, currently sharing a lot of photos from Horizon Forbidden West. And the last episode of the podcast was actually a deep dive into this game. Um, So if you want more Forbidden West from me, then you can find it at gaminginthewild.com. Or if you want to go back and listen to the previous episode, you've got that full-on law uh, recap of everything that happened uh, in the first game as well. So if you haven't ever played I recommend playing it, I reckon. Uh, it looks fantastic on the PlayStation 5, so if you haven't got a chance to play the first one, go back and play uh, the first one and then jump into Forbidden West. Um, very, very good stuff to listen to. Um, you can give a Sifter a follow on social media. We're at HQ on Twitter and Instagram on, on Twitch. Uh, or you can visit the Sifter Discord sifter.com.au forward slash discord where we've got a lot of creative people who shared the pieces of things that they're working on Um, we've got model makers we've got painters we've got game developers we've got musicians lots of people each week sharing little bits and pieces about what they work on it's really cool to see the creativity there um we've got another two podcasts actually uh, we've got a podcast called light map where we speak to game developers uh, creatives and people who are doing cool things in interactive media and we learn their story uh, about uh, what it takes to actually create things. Uh, we've also got a weekly news recap show, which has just started, called Walkthrough, hosted by Carl Paletto. If you are someone who doesn't have as much time uh, to keep up to date with everything that's coming out each week in terms of news, uh, you can listen to Walkthrough every Sunday, um, and we will recap it all for you so you're ready to go for the next week. They're both available in your podcast players, and you can um, follow them for free. Uh, and while you're online, hit uh, our website, which is sifter.com.au. We have articles, pieces, videos, more. You can uh, check it all out there, gameplay with some developers as well. And until next time, have fun. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 